This episode will be all about the basic tensions between EU GDPR and blockchain technology. Have fun, guys! Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of A Blockchain Lawyer. And this episode will be all about EU GDPR and blockchain again. Um, as some of you, of your keen listeners might know, I've attended a really cool event last week in Berlin. Today is Sunday, the f 1st of December, 2019. And on the 26th of November in Berlin, we had a really cool event organized by Jörn Erbgut on blockchain and data privacy, especially EU GDPR rules. I met a ton of interesting people, some of my listeners even in. So my hello go out, goes out to them. And I talked to cool people like Michel Singh and Max Gervais, of course. David Safe was, was there. Michael Colain, who I really appreciate. And uh, yeah, so many to mention. And of course, my big thanks go to Katrin Kirchardt and Jörn Erbgut for organizing everything. Access Carol too. It was a really cool event and I had a lot of fun. And it was all about blockchain, the technology, and GDPR, especially with a focus, of course, on EU GDPR. But Max Gervais spoke on Canadian law and uh, Michelle, she spoke on US California law. And uh, yeah, we recognize that there are quite some common issues when it comes to blockchain technology and privacy rules. And what I want to do in this episode, I don't want to give a solution to every issue. I just want to like underline what issues there are and why they are there. And I want to focus in this episode, as you might understand, on EU GDPR issues with blockchain and give you the basic ideas of why blockchain and EU GDPR have attention. But I want to underline too at the beginning that it's still possible to solve all these problems. Like I know um, in my 20th episode on the household exemption, I talked about the paper by Michelle Fink. She wrote a paper for the European Parliamentary Research Service on blockchain and data privacy. It's a really good paper. It's very well written and you should absolutely read it if you're into this topic. But she's very doubtful that we can bring blockchain technology and EU GDPR together. And I want to talk about why she's doleful and what are the basic tensions not giving in this episode the solutions to everything. Just want to make people aware of a problem. And what I want to speak a little at the beginning is the EU GDPR. You know that it became effective in May 2018 and caused a lot of trouble and a lot of tension at the beginning because it has this one-size-fits-all approach that I also criticize a lot, which means that regardless of how big your business is, like many rules of the EU GDPR apply to you, even if you have a small business and you have a lot to do with data privacy. I mean, 
I'm not always sure if this one-size-fits-all approach is really good for GDPR because, of course, we want to prevent Facebook to use our data in a bad way. But do we actually want to like put so much data privacy pressure on the doctor around the corner too, on the bakery around the corner? Of course, it's always different. Like all companies work with different kind of data and even small companies can get really sensitive kind of data that they could use in a bad way, like especially your health data. But nonetheless, the one size fits all approach for data protection law in Europe is really troublesome. So the EU GDPR became effective in Europe in May 2018, and it's binding law for all member states directly, though they can regulate a few things on national law level still, but mostly it's all binding law and is totally effective now, binding both authorities, companies, users, etc. And the general trouble, I think, with blockchain technology and EU GDPR is the case that the blockchain technology is a decentralized database. You know, we're talking about a network of nodes running the blockchain in a transparent and immutable way. I mean, just like to keep it general, of course, some of you techies out there would object that blockchain doesn't actually need to be immutable. But that's at least, if we look at the basic, that's the case. And the EU GDPR approach, it's very, it's an approach that comes from a centralized point of view. Like the EU GDPR still has the idea there's a central server, there's at least a central authority running the whole data collection and processing. Like there's the controller who, opera, uh, who controls the whole data processing, who makes the rules for everything, collects the data, and then makes the rules for the processing. And then there's the processor who just like follows the rules given by the controller. And this whole idea is very hard to apply for blockchain technology, if we're honest. I talked about that already in the episode 20 with a household, uh, with a household exemption. So I don't want to go into details into that right now. I just want to give you a general idea of what the tension between EU GDPR and blockchain is. Also, both the technology as the law are quite new, like the EU GDPR is only effective for one and a half years now. And the blockchain technology, it's pretty young. I mean, the Satoshi white paper is from 2008. So, of course, there's a lot of uncertainty on many levels, be it technical, technically or be it legally, on how to bring the two together. And that's just normal and something we all have to deal with. But nonetheless, we should look at basic issues that EU GDPR has with blockchain technologies and maybe on how we could probably solve these issues. So let's start on the approach. I mean, the GDPR is based on the underlying assumption that in relation to each personal data point, there is at least one natural or legal person, the data controller, whom data subjects can address to enforce the rights under EU data protection law. Blockchains, however, often seek to achieve decentralization, representing a unitary actor with many different players. As you know, that's the basic feature of blockchain technology. So, and today we want to talk about the fundamental pro, uh, principles of EU GDPR and the tension they have with blockchain technology. 
the seven fundamental pr principles of data processing are described in Article 5 of EU GDPR. And let's start with lawfulness, fairness, and transparency. Um, and to put it quite simple, uh, this first principle says that data processing in Europe requires a legal basis. The data subject must be informed about what happens to the data. And this principle is enshrined in Article 6, 9, 10, 12, 23, and Chapter 9 of the EU GDPR. And if we are honest, like it could be possible that a lot of data is put on the blockchain. And as the blockchain database is stored on many nodes, it could be very tricky if actually like there are legal grounds for data processing in every blockchain use case. However, I think that we should be aware that consent is not the only reason why there should be data processing on the blockchain. I mean, consent, that's like the main reason for data processing. We had a good talk on that. If it's all about contracts or consent, I mean, obviously there are two opposing sides that say what is most important when it comes to data processing. It's either consent or contract. And just I just want to underline that data processing on the block, even in a blockchain scenario, doesn't only depend on, on consent or contracts. There could be other reasons for that as well. When it comes to the fairness of data processing, I think we don't actually have many problems with that um, on the uh, on the blockchain technology because um, even like Michelle Fink, uh, she wrote in her paper that she doesn't see that it's unlikely when it comes to fairness that we have a problem with data processing on the blockchain. Then data processing should be transparent. And of course, if the blockchain technology is all about transparency, we probably might not have so many problems here. I mean, even Michelle writes, this, there appears to be no specific technical limitations to comply with transparency requ requirements concerning blockchains. Indeed, provided they are properly designed, blockchains may even aid in achieving these requirements. However, a case-by-case -case analysis of specific projects may reveal that the use of technology may pose specific data protection risks that the data subjects ought to be made aware of. Of course, I mean, if we have transparency on the blockchain, that means that data is actually available on the internet. I mean, you can just use like a blockchain explorer to look at data, at least of the hash data of transaction. That's possible. You can see the transaction. So the transparency that is actually once demanded by the EU GDPR for the protection of the users can also be a problem in a blockchain scenario because everything can be also too transparent. That's why I think it's right that Michel writes you have to look at each use case of a blockchain if that can comply with EU GDPR basics principles. But probably um, we have the um, principles of um, lawfulness, fairness and transparency that might actually work pretty well with blockchain technologies. The key problems probably don't lie there. One of the key problems, however, can be the purpose limitation. What does this mean? This principle is guaranteed by Article 89 GDPR, and it means that the purpose of data processing must already be specified 
when collecting personal data, be explicit and legitimate. The principle has two components, first purpose specification and second comparable use. Under the purpose specification principle, personal data must only be collected for specified explicit and legitimate purposes. In, comp in contrast, the compatible use requirement mandates that personal data should not be further processed in a manner that is incompatible with those purposes. Yeah, and that could actually be a, a problem with blockchain technology. If you put your data on the blockchain for one single reason that was absolutely legitimate at one point, it could become illegitimate at some point. I mean, the processing of the data, the remaining waning of the data at some point. For example, let's say you put data on a blockchain that should prove a certain thing for, for a period of time. Let's say we have a contract and the contract shall be valid for three years. So, and we put that on the blockchain that actually this contract is valid. So it would, and in this contract and in the data we put on the blockchain re, uh, regarding this contract, there is per, uh, personal data is involved. So what happens after the three years, the contract is terminated, everything went fine. If we are honest with purpose limitation, it would actually mean that the data had to be gone off a blockchain at some point. Or what happens if the personal data from the blockchain that we from the contract that we put on the blockchain is then processed and put into context with other stuff on the blockchain? Then the purpose limitation principle might be heard. I don't actually think, however, that this could be a real trouble in the end, because if we make the users aware and if we design our blockchain pretty well then we're probably running without, through all that without any bigger issues. But uh, we can see that there's a first first reason for tangent there that we might, must be aware when talking about blockchain, blockchain and EU GDPR. One of the next principles that's very important is data minimization. Personal data must be reasonable and substantially limited to the purpose and the extent necessary for processing. For example, registration for a newsletter must be limited to the email address and possibly the gender and surname as mandatory fields. And the whole data minimization principle is, in, is enshrined in Article 5 and corresponding recital 39 uh, of the EU GDPR. And the purpose limitation principle and its application in the blockchain scenario, that's pretty controversial. The principle appears to be conventionally understood to relate to the quality to the quantity of data. And from this perspective, blockchains do not appear as a technology that can easily be squared with data minimization. Like you store a lot of data on the blockchain. You store a lot of data and it's a lot of personal data. And from what I've seen from blockchain scenarios, um, the principle of data minimization is not something that is put uh, at the top of the whole idea, especially blockchains that come from other countries, from the US, where data minimization is not the key subject. I mean, there we can have actually an issue with blockchains, especially if you put it all into the context that the blockchain is immutable and the processing of the data goes on and on because we create new block with the old hashes and it's stored on 
uninstalled on many uh, computers, many nodes, then data minimization could actually be in tangent with a blockchain technology. However, if we, if we as blockchain developers and users are aware that we have this principle and must respect it, then I probably, I mean, I think we can actually work this out as well. So let's move on to the next principle, and that's accuracy. Data must be correct and up-to-date. Incorrect data must be corrected or deleted immediately. Well, 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 the correctness of a data processing is guaranteed by several provisions in the system of the EU GDPR. Specifically, it is it is about the rules in Articles 15, 16, 17, 18, and 21 GDPR. These regulations form the heart of the rights of the data subjects and the system of a new GDPR. And possibly this is the pros most prominent tension in this area. What are we talking about? As a data subject under EU GDPR, I have many rights. I can demand not only information about my personal data, which is already a problem, I can also add, uh, address the um, issue of rectification, of correcting my data. And of course, I have a right to erasure. We used to talk about that, in, especially in Germany, as a right to be forgotten, but that's not correct. It's a right to be erased. And G EU GDPR, I can demand that my data is erased from um, from the data storage if it's not needed anymore. That's my good right. Like you can go to Facebook, and if you had a Facebook account and you can and you terminate it, you can demand from Facebook to erase all your data. If you had an account on Amazon, bought stuff there, and you just don't need it anymore, you can demand Amazon to erase your personal data. They might not actually be able to erase your personal data for other reasons, for other legal reasons, for financial reasons. And for example, you can't demand from a lawyer right away that he, that she or he uh, deletes your personal data because for professional reasons, for professional law, they must keep your personal data for a while. But basically, if we look at that, um, if we take if we don't look at the ideas uh, that are or the other rules that might make it necessary to keep the data at least for a while at some point at some point you will be able to demand the erasure of your data or you may be able to demand that wrong data is corrected now and now let's have a look at the blockchain as you know from my podcast and as everybody knows of you who is working with blockchain technology, you're all aware that blockchains are from a, uh, are in theory or in general immutable. Like you can't change the data that is stored anymore. Of course, if there's wrong data on the blockchain, you can create new data that is right. But the wrong data on the blockchain, to say it in very simple terms, it also remains on the blockchain. You just have newer, better data at a later block. But the old data is not corrected as such. It remains on the blockchain. There's just new data at some point. So that puts a lot of tangent under blockchain law. Michael Collain gave a huge speech on that. I thought his presentation was in general, quite unique and quite well. And I will absolutely invite him to this podcast as soon as possible to talk about that. So I don't want to go into details there. We had another presentation that argued that you could use data on the blockchain and the, the right to erasure doesn't apply 
if the data could be used, if the anonymized data could be used for scientific reasons. So that might be a little hole in the whole system to work around this problem. But basically, if you look at this, like the right to erasure, the right to correct your data on the blockchain by EU GDPR uh, law, and the blockchain technology, we have a huge tension there that is not solved yet. I don't think that we don't actually like will be in so much tension there in the end as soon as long as we make good laws, good reasons about that. We have to argue it like if the right to erasure applies under all circumstances, there are exemptions from that. And if blockchain doesn't fall under this exemption, we have to work about that. We have to create good, good designs by blockchain. That's uh, something we've been working on with the industrial standard in Germany from the German Institute for Standardization, um, the, the standard I've been working there on this year with people like Michael Collet and Katrin Kirchert or Jörn Abgood. Uh, it's, it will be called DINSPEC 4997, Privacy by Blockchain Design. But in general, we must face that this is actually an issue here, that this principle of EU GDPR and the rights coming from the, from the subjects for EU GDPR with this might be very much in tension. Because, yeah, really, like the, the GDPR is based on the assumption that the data can be modified or erased when necessary to comply with legal requirements such as Article 16 and 17 GDPR. And blockchains, however, render such modifications of data purposely difficult to ensure data integrity and to increase trust in the network. So there is where we absolutely have a problem where we're facing attention. That we'll be solving, however, I'm very positive about that. We will be solving that, um, especially with guidelines on international and national levels in Europe. But for now, we must be aware of that tension. Yeah, so the same is with storage limitation. Data must be deleted if it's no longer needed for processing. And of course, that's the same reason. Like, I mean, that's not like the personal right even there of a data subject it's just a, a general principle and of course as you know data continues to be stored on the blockchain uh, if it's immutable however i just want to underline that even satoshi nakamoto in the white paper from 2008 talked about data uh, limitation like uh, by deleting older blocks at some point and um, uh, i think it's called pruning it was even there in the first um, version of his white paper, um, which of course made sense back in 2008 because data storage wasn't as big as it is today. I mean, we were far away from where we are today. Today, um, like the Bitcoin blockchain, um, it's pretty big and there's a lot of data on it and it's, it just continues to grow and grow and grow. So data limitation and storage limitation in this way um, uh, which comes from EU GDPR and blockchain technology also have quite a tension there. And, but I'm also positive that we can work this out. I just want to underline that we have this tension there and must be aware of that. The next principle that we are looking into is integrity and confidentiality. Confidentiality. It means protection against unauthorized or unauthorized processing in particular, the transfer to unauthorized third parties. 
and the integrity is guaranteed by several provisions in Article 13, 14, and 20 GDPR. Yeah, and I think here we don't actually have so many, so much trouble with blockchain. Uh, let me read um, from Michelle. She wrote, blockchains can be designed to enable data sharing without the need for a central trusted intermediary. They offer transparency as to who has access data and blockchain-based smart contracts can moreover automate the sharing of data, hence also reducing transaction costs. These same features may, however, also be rolled upon to support some of the GDPR's objectives, such as to write data subjects with more control over the personal data that directly or indirectly relates to them. This rationally can also be observed based on the data subject's right, especially rights to data portability, Article 20 GDPR, that provide data subjects with control over what others do with the data and what they do with their person but their personal data themselves. So yeah, when it comes to like data not being used by others for reasons that are ill-fit, I mean, if you put your data on the blockchain, you know what happens with its data when it's processed and you can also check on what the reasons for because the blockchain is transparent. So that's a huge advantage actually that can come from a blockchain use case. So we probably had, don't ha actually have any tension there and at least that's a relief isn't it however when we have the accountability like companies are required to provide evidence to the supervisory authorities and the accountability is enshrined in article 20 24 26 and 31 GDP, EU gdpr and i think there can be a pretty much tension here because like I said the whole EU GDPR it comes from the idea that there's a controllers and processors uh, controllers who run the operation and processors who are responsible for uh, how the operation is run then like they they make they do the processing of data following the controllers rules and in EOG and in blockchain scenarios, you absolutely don't actually need a controller or processor in theory because you put up a public blockchain and everyone takes part in it. And then you don't have a controller or processor because it's uh, the blockchain runs by the rules set out at the beginning. So this will be something that we will have to discuss in upcoming episodes. Who's the controller? Who's the pro, uh, who's the processor? We all had good, very good speeches on that on Tuesday, like by David Sav, David Sav, uh, especially, and also by Jörn Abgut and by Olga Stepanova as well. Because you could argue that, for example, the miners, the miners are probably no data controllers because they don't decide what is put on the blockchain but they process data, so they could be data processors. The user of a blockchain who defines what of his data or the data of others is put on the blockchain, he could actually be a controller. Meaning then that all EU GDPR consequences follow from that rule, that I, for example, can demand from such a controller to erase my data or to correct the data. And this is what I discussed uh, in the episode 20 with the household exemption. 
And of course, we can also save a smart contract developer could be a processor, like if he takes part still in the blockchain scenario. We have a re we have a thing that I very much muse about is a question like if if somebody opens up a public blockchain, like sets it up, and then after that gives the control away, as it is the case, for example, with a Bitcoin blockchain um, set up by Satoshi Nakamoto and others, and after that there is no central control anymore. Wouldn't data authorities in Germany, in Europe, consider those who have set up the blockchain, the public blockchain, the public permissionless blockchain, still consider them to be controllers of a blockchain because they have set them up and the blockchain runs under after their regulations, even if they can't do anything anymore about the whole blockchain? I wonder very much if that could would be the case, and I see a lot of tension also on that level. So you see that the seven basic EOGDRPR uh, principles can create tension in some way, at least in some case scenarios. And I just wanted you to make you aware, and this was just an consider this to be an introductory um, episode. To the whole problem of EOGDPR and blockchain. And we'll talk about that in future episodes, then with interview partners who have far more knowledge about this whole scenario, about his whole idea. But I'm happy that I could talk to you about the basic principles and the basic tensions there are. And I hope you'll tune in in future episodes when we'll talk about EOGDPR and blockchain again, and we'll look for solutions on the whole matter. Thank you very much. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone, 